0: My favorite line in this conversation is when Austin Butler refers to his and my relationship as family. Austin arrived here from filming Baz Luhrmann's movie Elvis, playing Elvis himself. London was just out of COVID lockdown, and needing an immediate tradition, we decided to have dinner at my home every Sunday night with the same small group of friends. Austin would turn up early and cook with me. And this is what we did every Sunday for 39 weeks. Austin is a brilliant actor, a beautiful singer, a poet, and a true friend. And Austin is my family. So Austin, you and I are here in the River Cafe to talk about food, our memories, travel and a lot more but maybe we should just start with Australia.
1: I was in Australia for a year and a half filming. I was making Elvis with Baz Luhrmann.
0: Did he have food on set? Did you sit down to meals?
1: Yeah well we did this thing it's I'm realizing it's a very European sort of thing where you have these rolling lunches which basically means you don't have a lunch break you eat while you're filming and I actually kind of like it because it keeps momentum of filming. And so while we were filming A lot of times it was just I was eating for It was like gasoline Hmm. You know, I was eating For for energy I just gotta be making the most of this thing While I can And then when we rapped, Baz and I were at his house, and there was a small group of us. And it was the night that we rapped. It was it was the first time that he and I both sort of were able to go. Ah, we did it. You know, we've been working on this for. I've been at for about two and a half years at that point, maybe three years. He'd been doing this for longer—five or eight years or something. And we, we just, we danced until the sun came up. We just the two of you. Yeah, well, we had a little group there, but we, we <laughs> nice. just put on vinyl records right. and we just danced and we ate oysters and we just, we just lived life. It was like this feeling of letting our hair down. And, um, and then the sun started to come up. And, uh, and Baz looked out and he lived across the street from the sea. And he said, should we go swim in the ocean right now? And this is the night that we wrapped yeah. the film. And so we both we were like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we ran across the street, and we jumped in the ocean. And it's like 5 in the morning now, and we swam in the ocean. And so the sun's rising. And I, and I, I was going to not go that night as well. And I said, Baz, I, said, I can't believe I was going to go to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. And he started singing Nessa Dorma to me. <laughs> and he goes, no sleep tonight. No sleep tonight. And he starts singing this opera. And I hadn't really heard that song. And he was yeah. telling me the story of the opera. And then he said, I'll play it for you when we get back to the shore. And he went back to the shore. And I, I kind of took a second for myself in the ocean where it was just me. I just watched the sunrise, and I sort of processed all that we had done. And you don't know the final outcome of a film. You, you hope that you, you did everything you possibly could, and you gave every bit of your soul. But you don't know how it's going to be received. But at that moment, I just kind of processed all that we had, the work that we had done and, mm. and, and the joy and the love that we put into it. And I sort of had that moment, and then as I sort of slowly walked back to shore, I look at Baz, and he's holding a speaker above his head like John Cusack and Say Anything, and he's playing Nessa Dorma, the, the uh, Pavarotti version, right. and it's blaring at like 5.30 in the morning now on the beaches of the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. It was so magical and cinematic, and then we made breakfast. What was that? We may, we we looked in the fri- refrigerator and we thought, okay, what could we make? Because he and I both had been working so hard. And there's this thing about filming where you're. There's so many responsibilities that other people end up, almost treating you like you're a child in many areas. They walk you to the bathroom, you know. If you if you're if I say I'm gonna go to the trailer, they walk me there to make sure I don't get lost. They they, they treat you like you can't do anything, and they bring you your food, and so you you're very spoiled in many ways. But there's something so relieving about that moment when you're finally able to do something for yourself. And uh, and so he and I, that that was our moment. We opened the refrigerator and we saw that, okay, we got eggs, we got asparagus, we got some spinach there, we got some tomatoes, we got some Parmesan cheese, what can we do? And, and so we kind of just made this breakfast and there's uh, these, this loaf of bread and so we cut off bits of this bread and we toasted it and just made this delicious meal. and. That's one of the most glorious memories of my life. Was like after we finished this thing that was so terrifying and daunting, and that we gave it everything we could, and then, and then we just sat there and as the morning sun sort of laid down on us and, and ate that breakfast, and it was so glorious. It's it's about memory, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. about the time.
0: And what about Tarantino? Oh, Did he, God, he's was amazing. he interested in food?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because he like food? I remember one night we were we were doing night shoots, and it was about three in the morning. He had this amazing crepe maker come and, and make crepes, and we were eating these amazing crepes. And and uh, he said, he said, Austin, you know my thing is, I want to give everybody such a good experience on this job that their next job sucks. <laughs> and it was such a wonderful thing. So every every okay. night there would be some new food thing that he would he would organize so, so you yeah. just had this thing to look forward to and and the other thing that he did was after every hundred rolls of film which believe it or not this was the first time I had shot anything on film because everything since I grew up was on digital essentially with every person mm-hmm. that I worked with and so that was really special just hearing the sound of the film going through the camera when you're sitting in the car and but every hundred rolls of film you'd throw a party and it would have a theme, so he'd have, you know, grapple would come out, and, and mm-hmm. so everybody, and they'd be singing these songs, and or margaritas would come out, and he'd have a mariachi band. or So there were every hundred rolls, whether it be 10 in the morning or, you know, 3 in the morning. It was, it was something to look forward to.
0: I think that does actually... Give people a kind of commitment to the person you're working for. You know, that they're taking care of... You know, they're thinking about you. They're recognizing that you're working hard and that you want to give them something back. It means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. When you lived by yourself, you once told me that you chose a house in Los Angeles because it had a pizza oven. Oh, that
1: was great. What was that like? Yeah, There's this beautiful house that had belonged to Gary Oldman before, and he had built a pizza oven. And uh, I became obsessed with learning how to make the perfect fire in this pizza oven, the specific type of wood and exactly how to lay it. And I got one of those laser temperature gauges so I could make it a thousand degrees and learned how to make the pizza sauce Uh and, and the dough and everything. And and it was actually Christmas that I, I made the most pizzas, I think. And the first couple kind of came out rough, and then and then started to get really into the zone of it. And it was amazing to me how you how fast you could cook a pizza.
0: Yeah, in that heat. In, in, a, in that yeah. heat,
1: thirty seconds or forty five yeah. seconds, mm-hmm. you could cook a whole pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I or I cooked pizzas for my whole family, and it was such a great experience just getting to feed them, and 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 the special thing of all kind of being around the fire and and we had this table out there and it sort of looked like the secret garden as well in this backyard and cooked all these pizzas and and then I started getting into other things I thought what else can I cook in this fire and there's a restaurant in LA called Pache that is in Laurel Canyon that makes this um salmon on a cedar plank and so I thought I want to learn how to make that and and uh so I ended up getting these cedar planks and soaking them in water and putting the salmon on top and seasoning it and sticking it in the wood fire. Did you put it, it in the wood oven? It came out so incredibly.
0: This is something solitary. When I talked to Michael Caine, he said that he loved to write a book. He yeah. liked to garden and he liked to cook because doing a movie, you are surrounded by hundreds of people. You're surrounded, whatever you're doing, you just described being walked to the bathroom or trying to find your trail. There's always someone around. And then he chose three solitary things that you can do on your own. So it sounds like maybe that cooking was something that you could do without.
1: Absolutely. It makes you feel self sufficient. Yeah.
0: And also giving, giving back to the people that you want to feed.
1: Absolutely. It becomes my love language in a way. I cook so much for the people around me. I'll look into their eyes when they're eating it and try to see if they love it as much as they say they do and and I'll try to figure out ways of making it better. And It sounds, the way
0: you're talking about it, like a performance. Yeah. You know, do you think there are parallels between acting or performing or singing and cooking, looking into people's yeah. eyes and seeing how they are responding to your performance? Absolutely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Help helps is a maxim I believe in. We all carry around stress and hardship, and when we keep it inside, it starts to chip away. Therapy is a safe place, and therapy is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit com slash Ruthie today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ruthie. com slash Ruthie. L-A-S-I-K
1: Grilled white peaches with amaretto. Serve six. Six ripe white peaches, one vanilla pod, two tablespoons castor sugar, 120 milliliters amaretto. Preheat oven to 190 degrees Celsius. Heat a grill pan until very hot. Cut each peach in half and remove the stone. Place the peach halves cut side down on the hot pan and grill until slightly charred. Remove from the pan and place face-up on an oven-proof dish. Slice the vanilla pod lengthways and put, with the sugar, into a mortar. Pound until the vanilla pod is broken up and combined with the sugar. Scatter the vanilla sugar over the peaches and pour over half of the amaretto. Bake for ten minutes or until the peaches are soft. Add the remaining amaretto and serve hot or cold with a spoonful of creme fraiche. Thank you. That sounds delicious.
0: Yeah. Austin, amaretto yeah. an Italian liqueur, yeah. peaches, grilled. Is that anything to do with any food you grew up with in California?
1: Yeah. I, so I was born in Anaheim, uh, right near Disneyland, and we used to have these, we used to have trees in the backyard that, that it wasn't, we didn't have peaches, but we had grapefruit trees and we had an orange mm. tree in the backyard and, and so like the smell of, of fresh fruit. I remember my mom picking it and us having this fresh fruit in the kitchen and, and these lemons and grapefruit and so that's, that's sort of what that made me think of.
0: Did your mom, was she a good cook?
1: She was a, a great cook and, and especially as the years went on, I remember eating a lot of fish sticks and you know the things that you'd get in the freezer aisle and uh, little corn dogs that she would make. Um, because when I was born, she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And uh, she was a dental hygienist at the time. And then she uh, she ended up starting daycare out of the house. And so she would watch the children of the mothers who taught at the school right right around the corner that I eventually went to elementary school there. And so, uh, so we always had little children in the house. And so I, she she had to make these meals that were really quick and easy. Um, so as a kid, I just remember eating those and tuna fish sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. and um, So nothing really gourmet at all. And then as the years went on, she became vegetarian and then she became vegan and then she got really into making special things with portobello mushrooms and mm-hmm. bell peppers stuffed mm. with couscous or uh, things like that. So she got a little bit more into it later on, but when I was growing up, it wasn't extremely healthy in the house. It was it was kind of efficient yeah. meals, and but she's
0: probably working so hard. She was working but, so much, and had,
1: I mean there was twelve kids in the house sometimes, and
0: yeah.
1: all all different ages. And when I was when I started going to elementary school, we lived around the corner from that same school, and I would walk home every lunch and She'd have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich waiting for me, <laughs> and uh, and we'd watch uh, this home decorating show called Surprise by Design. Okay, and uh, and then we would, we'd come <laughs> up with things that we were going to do around the house, and so we'd we'd lay a brick path in the backyard, or or um, plant little flowers, or that sort of thing. We'd get inspired by this show, and I just remember how excited I was to walk home every day and just eat the sandwich that she made for me, and. Mm how special that was that's a
0: beautiful memory yeah. isn't it of your mother making yeah. something for you and going home for lunch yeah. you know that's, that's would and you have dinner as well would you all sit down to yeah. dinner or was that
1: well or? my parents divorced when I was seven mm-hmm. and I, a lot of my memories go back to that time because it was when sort of the stability of family split up and my dad moved into this this person that he worked with and he moved into their garage and they had sort of a converted garage, and we had a tiny little miniature fridge, and that was that was where we kept all our groceries, and we had air mattresses that we slept on, and we'd put them down at night, and then we'd put them up, and we'd put down a table during the day, and so it was this one room that was our entire house, and it was just this old garage, and there was a treadmill in the corner that was their old treadmill, and, and we would we would make food there, and, and so we, we shared their kitchen, but other than that, we had sort of the, just this one room. And um, I started cooking as a kid because with my my dad, had he had work, and so he would say, hey, I'll pay you $2 if you cook dinner tonight. And so as a way that I could stock up money as a kid was cooking dinner. And there was like three staple things maybe, and the, one of the main ones that I remember is burritos. We'd make Denison's chili bean burritos, which is this can of beans with mm. some sour cream and cheese. And I haven't eaten one of those in years. But we used to eat that every night. And um and then a special occasion would be getting a, a five dollar pizza from down the road or something mm. like that. So those were that was like the idea of a fancy meal was ordering a pizza out mm. when I was a mm. kid. Which I think then years later coming to a place like like your restaurant here mm. or, Going to French Laundry for the first time or something like that was was so felt. I felt so out of my element in a way uh, when I first started going to really nice restaurants because you know five dollars sounded like mm. a lot for a meal mm. when I was a kid.
0: Would you do the shopping or would he order out? Would you? Would we you
1: we would always we'd usually go to Costco when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we we'd get food in bulk and then mm. and make meals out of that. Um, and then at a certain point. I think when i moved I moved out when I was seventeen and i I started wanting to learn how to make food and wanting to know how flavors fit together and i, I started making some money and so I started trying restaurants in l a or um, and then I worked in New York for the first time, and that was really eye opening because just was getting, getting to try great little italian restaurants and I remember going to Roberta's for the first time, which is this restaurant in Brooklyn that a friend of mine who owned all these restaurants in L.A., he said, this is the restaurant that made me want to open a restaurant. Mm. And uh, so going to Roberta's and, and, and trying there. And, and it feels a lot like here where you feel like you're home. You know, you, you enter and I, I realize I have a lot of um, instability in my life. There, there hasn't been a lot of continuity mm. In, in many areas of my life since I was young. Um, just because I travel a lot and and even the nature of doing a film or T V show, you, you sort of make a family of the entire crew and then it splits up. And through therapy I sort of realized that, that was that I was almost like reliving my yeah. childhood of my parents getting divorced yeah. for the, you know, many years of making a family, and then it splits up, and you make a family, and it splits up, and so I, I'd seek out ways of having stability and consistency, and most of that for me while on location, whether I was in Vancouver or New Zealand or Australia or here in London or wherever I was, I, I would I would find restaurants that became my second home, and I'd I'd get to the point where I'd go there every day, and mm. the staff then knew me, and I knew yeah. them, and and suddenly it felt like there was, there was this thing that was separate from my work that felt like home. Yeah. Even if I've woken up with anxiety or yeah. if I feel sad or I feel overwhelmed, I, I go to a restaurant. and I think what you've created here is so beautiful because I feel it here as well. I'll come mm-hmm. here with a book and, mm. you know, and I get to see you and I get to read and I, I know the people who work here. And, and, and that goes even deeper because you and I have a family relationship beyond yeah. that.
0: I think I always say that in an irregular world, we do need regular things. And I think even if we have, you know, your life, you know, the way you describe it is very moving and very honest and a revelation of, of who you are. But I think that even if you have a consistency and you have those foundations and you have that life, it's still, we seek out, you know, you talk to people about the Sunday lunch People going home for Sunday lunch or Friday night supper Mm. or Christmas, the Christmas lunch has to be the same every year. And so food does mean that, doesn't it? It gives you a sense of stability. And I always wanted a restaurant to feel like home. You know, that is a place. I'm always amazed that people will come to a restaurant even if they've had a really bad day, you know, or something bad has happened. Sometimes we need it on those
1: days the most.
0: Yeah, that you come. This morning, I could hardly
1: leave the house. I just felt anxious for some reason. Yeah, and then I got myself. I just said, you know, I just got to get to the cafe. Yeah. And once you get there, then suddenly there's life around you, and it it sort of buzzes, and you feel humanity wash over you, and 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 things that are happening outside of your own experience that, and then and then you eat delicious food, and that really helps.
0: start having sex and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you eat pizzas in Italy when you went on that trip? You told yeah. me that you took a road trip. Yeah, I ate a lot of pizza there. Where did you start?
1: We We, we took this... One of the best trips I've ever taken was this, I spent a month just road tripping through Italy. What year was and that? That was probably four before, years ago or before something Elvis. like that. It was before Elvis. Yeah. And we started in Milan, drove from Milan to the coast and went to Portofino first. And I'd only ever spent maybe a week in Italy before this. and so that was incredible. And then drove down and went to Cinque Terre and... Hiked between the little villages and went through the vineyards did you there. Have pesto? Had pesto. Yeah, oh my right. gosh, the best pesto pasta. Yeah. yeah. Besides yours.
0: That, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can make a better one yeah. than mine. I'm not competitive. No, it was
1: oh incredible. Yeah. And then drove down through Tuscany, drove through Florence and and did that for a couple of days and drove out to this little bed and breakfast in Tuscany. It was run by this this. Beautiful Italian woman and her husband and they had two daughters, and one of the daughters would play piano in the afternoon, and you 'd hear it reverberating through the vineyard and, and so it was just us and this family and she 'd bring focaccia up and, and you'd eat it around the pool in the afternoon and and then, uh, and then at night, her husband would would one night he caught a wild boar, and so then she made this wild boar, and it was just absolutely divine, and one of their daughters was dating a young man who was 18 years old, that he was half Israeli and half Italian. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a pilot. And I said, oh, you're a pilot, that's, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. And he said, I, and, uh, he said you know, I, I can fly you if you want me to. And I said, wow, well, I, yeah, I mean, that would be cool, but I thought I'm not trusting our lives <laughs> in this 18-year-old kid's <laughs> hands, you know. And then the next night, his, uh, his mom came to dinner, she was in the Israeli Air Force. She said, you know, he's actually a very good pilot. I said, well, you know what, you only live once. I mean, where, where, where could we go? And he said, you know, I can fly you to Elba. Where, and, and I thought, well, that's where Napoleon was exiled. Yeah, sure. And you could go to that little island, and that would be really cool. And I said, you know what, let's do it. I'll pay for gas, I'll, I'll pay for yeah. the plane, whatever we need. And, and so we end, up, we end up getting in the car, and he couldn't drive a car but, he could, fly but a plane. he could fly a plane <laughs> <laughs> and so we i drive us all it's it's me and my girlfriend at the time and him and his girlfriend and we f- we drive up to florence and we end up getting to the the little like separate private area of the airport and uh we go through security and and then he ends up going to a little garage and, by hand, pulling out a little four-seater Cessna. Oh so you, you picture this skinny little Italian. There, it, yeah, it oh, my up. gosh. He pulls this thing out by hand. I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are we doing here? It felt like riding in a go-kart or something. And we get into the plane and go through all the pre-flight checks, and then we take off. And he, and then I can't hear him at all. It's static in the headphones. And I see panic over his face, and we, we're in the air now, and we're flying, and I'm thinking he's the only person that can land this plane, and there's panic on his face, and I can't hear him, and it's static, and then I realized that he he just couldn't figure out how to switch a certain switch, and, and so we couldn't hear each other, and once he figured that out, then peace came upon the airplane, and, and then he told me, you know, it's a very dangerous landing place in Elba because you have to fly in this zigzag shape, and and so that's, then I'm going oh god we're trusting this 18 year old and we end up zigzagging through the mountains of Elba and, and landing and and we got there safely thankfully yeah. and and then we yeah, clearly and then we, we ate pasta with him and his girlfriend that day for lunch and they flew back and we stayed and rode around on Vespas and ate pasta at all these different beaches on Elba and went to the vineyards that Napoleon used to go to and then he came back three days later and picked us up on the plane and we flew back to Florence and that was it. Was magic. So, so the
0: adventure of travel, yeah. the adventure of eating. It's like over adventure. dinner, you you yeah. create these adventures, yeah. you know. Yeah. the culture of a country is so taken through its food, and very often, as I, you know, we we meet somebody who comes back from a country, and we don't ask what museum they went to or, you know, what what gallery they saw, what church. Well, we do, but you know, this also tells you so much by them saying, as you've just yeah. described the food that they ate and the culture of the dinners or the shooting a boar or catching a fish or it's as exciting as getting on a plane crazily I might say by somebody you don't know (laughs) you know it's all about curiosity and exploring and opening ourselves up and so if we think about you know we've talked about food as um memory, the food that you find that sets traveling and traveling and working and the food that be, connects us all I suppose, it connects our memories it connects each other is a sense of excitement but it's also a sense of comfort what would be the food you would probably go to for comfort?
1: I've been away from home for a long time and as well as the fact that my, my mother's no longer here, you know, she passed away when I was 23 and I almost didn't, hadn't put it into conscious thought, but I, I often will after a big week or if I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'll make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and that becomes my thing. I made one the other day, uh, yeah. and and it's just that that comforting sensation. Um, yeah, so that that's one of my go-to comfort foods for sure.
0: Well, I'll see you for and cards on Sunday night. See you for my cards. dice partner. Yeah, yeah?
1: I'll see Thank you, you, you then.
0: Thank you. To visit the online shop of The River Cafe, go to shoptherivercafe.co.uk. River Cafe Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.